Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bat-Ass Podcast, the Batman the Animated Series show podcast where we talk about Batman the Animated Series, or in this case, Batman Beyond. My name is Clay McCormick. With me, as always, is Sean. How are you doing, Sean? Hey, man. Pretty good. Um, it's funny. I've gotten at least three different messages from random places from uh, listeners who really enjoy this podcast and their spin it is is more sentimental than i'm used to hearing like they oh, say like the podcast got me through a dark time or things are rough now but you know tuning into you guys whatever it is yeah i got like three of those in the last few months which i don't know what we're, what we're, what we're doing right <laughs> um but yeah it feels like a better compliment to me than just the normal ones i guess your anger keeps me going Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's I like great. to think that it's authenticity in our back and forth. Yeah, I like think our so. Chemi- our radio chemistry. I hope so. Yeah, and I we really appreciate everybody who listens, and you know that's 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 very flattering to get that kind of uh, message sent specifically to you and not to me. I'm sure um, you get it too. You probably get more than I do. You're more reachable than than I am in some ways. You know. I know. I'm I'm just joking around. Uh, but yeah, we have reached the end of season one of Batman Beyond. Uh, it's an odd numbered season, so uh, odd, odd number of episodes. So we're going to cover the last episode of the season, which is Ascension. Then we're going to do a bit of a wrap up on the season, and then we are going to answer some listener questions. So uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back with Ascension. All right, Ascension, written by Robert Goodman, directed by Yukio Suzuki, and in this one, as Derek Powers' blight persona slowly destroys what was left of his normal life, he turns to his son for help. Paxton Powers seems willing to help Batman during, sorry, seems willing to help Batman bring his father in, but unfortunately, mm-hmm. deception and greed run in the family. First of all, did you realize that Paxton Powers was Carrie Elwes? Yes. I caught it before I looked it up. I didn't. I don't know if maybe my air conditioner was on right next to my head, so maybe it, it like <laughs> broke the sound up or something. I did not catch it at all. Yeah. So it's funny because I I heard it at first, and I think I just watched season three of Stranger Things again, so I had his voice kind of fresh in my mind. Oh sure, I forgot. And I was impressed that. with how well he covered up his British accent in this because in Stranger Things, I don't think he does a good job. <laughs> Is he actually British? Yeah, he is. Okay. For some reason, I, I, in my head, I always thought he was American, but I guess it makes more sense that he's British. When they cast him um, for Robin Hood Men in Tights, um, Mel Brooks asked him if he needed like lessons on how to speak proper British again. And Carrie Ellis was like, yeah, it's okay. I, I, I can do it again. <laughs> um, I remember that story pretty clearly. And then in Stranger Things, I don't know what it is lately, but when I hear British actors speak American English. I'm really listening hard for a tell, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And watching season four last night, the rock and roll kid Eddie. Yep. I think he's British. He I could is. not tell. His accent is perfect. And Jonathan too does a great job in an American accent. Like there's nothing there. It's it's amazing. Oh, is Jonathan British? I don't think I realized that. Yeah, I think he's British too. Um, and I heard this theory that British actors are better at faking our accent than vice versa because they watch more of our TV and movies than we watch of theirs. Yeah, and they're also probably just better actors generally. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> proper Shakespeare. I think yeah. they invented acting. 
<laughs> yeah, no, that, that's funny. Yeah, I, I didn't catch the voice. Uh, I was more focused on the name. Paxton Powers is about the douchiest son of a rich guy name you could possibly come up with. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah this... I... No, go ahead. Go ahead. I totally forgot. I, I didn't realize that they didn't know that Derek Powers was Blight. I didn't realize that either. As the episode started, I was like, do they know what's going And then yeah. obviously they, they say that they don't. So and I'm trying to think back to what confused us. And there's the episode where uh, Terry accidentally explodes some canister near Powers and it hurts him. And I just assume he knew that what happened. And then the next encounter is with Mr. Freeze, I think. And there's a standoff with Mr. Freeze. And, sorry, standoff with Powers or Blight, I should say. And I remember you and I saying, this is a big moment because he's fighting the guy that killed his dad. Why isn't there more here to sink your teeth into? Right. Um, and I feel like maybe that moment should have been moved to this moment where he knows the stakes. He knows that Powers is responsible for his dad's death. He knows Blight is Powers. And now they have a standoff, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm. You know, <clears throat> I guess there's something to be said for having him fight Blight without knowing. But yeah, I, uh, yeah. I, I was a little bit surprised that that him finding out wasn't a bit wasn't kind of like more of a thing. It just he just kind of tossed it yeah. off in a lot of dialogue where he's like, "Yeah, Bruce, yeah. turns out that Blight is actually Derek Power, so I gotta go punch him now." Yeah, there is not much th- like setting this up this whole season. You think, all right. Good idea for an opener. We have the introduction of Blight, part two of season of episode one, rather. And then the end of the season will be Terry finally figures it out, and they have a face, a big standoff. Like, that's pretty standard comic book cartoon storytelling. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. Uh, And I'm surprised they didn't enhance that more for this episode. But I like this episode, but there's a lot they left on the table. Yeah, yeah. I'm interested by it because... um... I have zero framework in my head for what seasons two or three look like, because as I've said multiple times, I think when this was actually on, I think I probably only watched season one, maybe like one or two episodes from the the other seasons. And uh, I was expecting Blight and or Derek Powers to, to stick around longer. I mean, I'm sure he'll probably pop up again, but I was expecting him to be like the main villain. Uh, so to see him kind of push to the side so quickly was surprising. But as I was thinking about it, I was like, yeah, man, I don't know. Is, is He's not really that interesting, honestly. <laughs> he's just kind powers? of there. Yeah, Powers, is he's he's just yeah. kind of there. Um, even after they turned him into Blight, they haven't really done anything really interesting with him. So I'll, right. I'll be curious to see how and when he, he pops up in the future. Yeah, I was thinking that, too. I don't know how if Blight is a really good villain, honestly. I know he yeah. killed Terry's dad, so he should be, and he's the antagonist. But I don't know. He he's just missing something. He's not the Joker. He's not even as compelling as like Mister Freeze or Clayface. I mean, there's so many successful villains in in Gotham, and um, I feel like Shriek is more compelling in some ways. Yeah, you know, and yeah. Shriek's a B level villain at best. At least until next month, when Red White Knight Red Hood comes out, rocketing Shriek back into the A tier. Um, yeah, yeah, Blight. He's like he doesn't really have anything behind him. Like he, I, um, yeah. All the best Batman villains have some sort of like ethos, but 
or yeah. or point or thing they drive at, like which we've talked about a million times. But Blight doesn't. The only thing Blight has is he goes, "I need more skin," a lot, and uh, <laughs> that's about it. I mean, I don't. He's a rich guy. He, I, I guess maybe what yeah. they're doing here could be pushing him into a place where he does now have something he's after because his son betrayed him and uh, yeah. blew him up into a a right. submarine that probably killed all of the undersea life for five miles around Gotham City Harbor. But yeah. Uh, yeah. And they're really loose with how deadly, deadly radioactivity is. Everybody everybody on that submarine <laughs> died of radiation poisoning shortly after this right. episode. Or everybody at the board meeting should at least yep. have their, their testicles are probably fried and they can never have kids at yeah. that point. <laughs> my, my favorite moment from that, that scene was when uh, Terry puts the cuffs on him. He melts his uh-huh. way through these batman reinforced handcuffs and then he shoots yeah. a radiation ball at terry and terry reflects it back and blocks it with a drink tray so i'm, yeah. not, I'm not really sure i don't know yeah, what was that drink tray made of i think you might want to make a suit out of that yeah i don't know maybe it was lead or something i don't know yeah and throwing balls of green energy i don't know it's like radioactive power doesn't explode when it hits things it's it's this unseen force and i know it's visual it's a cartoon so you want to make it visual but i don't know like shooting green lasers out of his hands is that the way to go shoot throwing these balls <laughs> you would, like you would green prefer, goblin is that the way to go you would prefer prefer it be more realistic and just no imagery just everybody gets like slowly sick <laughs> i know <laughs> it's it's the deadly killer clay. Yes. You can't even see it. Yeah. I, I know. I take your point. Of course, it's better. With, I mean, I'm leaning into the green right, right. Uh, smoking head. Like, I'm basically drawing a green Ghost Rider for my rendition of light. But, yeah. you know, even me writing him, like, I don't know if he's that interesting of a villain. Uh, for my book, I tried to give him more of a backstory. He's, he's a kid. He, uh, he lived in Tel Aviv. His last name was Powitz. And uh, I've sort of played with World War II stuff a lot in the White Knight universe. So I sort of like, what if he's, you know, a refugee, Jewish family, and Tel Aviv gets bombed, and his parents move here, and what if he hooks up with Mr. Freeze, and he finds out that um, the Freeze tech came from Mr. Freeze's evil Nazi dad, um, you know, and so I have him quit because he's just horrified, and, you know, instead of letting him leave... um, Fox offers him a job revamping Wayne Motors, so he's... I don't know. I, I try to bolster him a little bit, but even then, I don't think I've made him a great villain yet. You know, mm. like if I'm honest, the the real antagonist in my story is Bruce fighting against the drama of him leaving for so long. Sure. You know, like Dick is sort of the villain, but Dick's going to come around. Uh, Jason was kind of a villain. Well, Jason was against him sort of, and Jason came around. It's sort of Bruce cleaning up the mess he made, and there's hopefully enough human interest stories there that that's what keeps people reading Mm. it's not really powers yet like powers isn't really designed to be a crazy amazing villain he's just kind of there in the background and then even when people get to the last issue and they see what's driving powers like there's more to him but still it's not like he's gonna ever be as great as the joker or clayface or mr freeze you know (laughs) right 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 well i think the most interesting thing that comes out of this episode that they don't really delve into too much but the one little scene where they play with it i thought was really good was when uh um <clears throat> terry basically uh bruce says something about uh 
at basically, basically Terry is happy that uh, that Powers has turned into this monster and and blah 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 blah, blah. and and Bruce like the the animation's really nice because they have Bruce shoot him this look like what like he's he's very uh, Bruce is very reacts pretty strongly to to Terry's straight up anger and hate towards Derek Powers in a way that I really yeah. loved because that's I feel like something that Bruce Wayne would do where he'd be like no listen yeah the, you know you do what you got to do but you're not doing this for revenge this is not about hating people and being happy that they have their lives destroyed um, that's what's missing I think yeah. you just said something that made me that's what's missing is their talk about revenge and killing yeah yeah. yeah, that should be more of a part in this. Honestly, if this was a two-parter, I would easily have gotten rid of one of the other episodes that we didn't like so much and made this a sure. two-parter to sure. really bookend the whole trauma with powers and whether De- De- uh, sorry, Terry is going to end up killing him or he's got, he's got this overpowered bat suit and this 18-year-old hothead kid. Do you really expect him not to kill powers? Right. What if he tries and Bruce like shuts the suit down and Terry feels, you know, you know whatever like there's all kinds of stuff you could do sure sure and i like the idea that um again i don't i don't know how explicit they are with it but but bruce kind of knows that terry's anger is going to get him in trouble yeah and uh yeah i think there's there's a there's a lot of subtext in there that is that is really nice character wise but yeah it's not it's not really something that they focus on too much and so it kind of gets pushed to the back in in favor of uh you know some of the more action stuff that comes at the end I do like that they moved a lot of chess pieces around. So Derek, his secret's out. He can't be on the board anymore. He calls his son in. Apparently he has a son. Mm-hmm. It's not a good relationship. His son plays along, but essentially wants to take over his dad's business, even if it means killing him. Uh, Batman agrees to work with his son to get Derek caught. I mean, there's some interesting ideas. of Things are shuffled around nicely, and I do like the changes that they made. And I'm curious about Paxton Powers in the future, you know, like, there could have been a version of this where Paxton did follow through with Batman, except one major thing that that pisses Batman off. So he like kind of has to work with Paxton in the future again, but he also knows he's not totally trustworthy, but he's not really a villain either. You know, like that could have been an interesting middle ground to take with the character. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that they move stuff around. I like, uh, I think there's, it's it's one of those things where it's, it's only so long uh, you can get anything out of trying to hide that that Derek Powers is this monster and like I like I said I they clearly they don't really have a lot there to work with but in this episode you do get a couple really pretty creepy scenes um mm. like when he when he's in the when he's in the car with his son and he takes his sunglasses off and his eyes are all busted up and then he like tears a yeah. piece of his skin off to to <laughs> show his son uh, that he's this radiation but that was legitimately creepy and uh yeah. when he starts breaking up at the, at the at the board meeting I thought was really good so I thought I thought it was good that they they moved that stuff forward and and uh and did some yeah. some actual stuff with blight instead of him just being uh constantly looking for a new trash bag to wear every time i see him go into the t800 press you know the flesh press i can't help but think about that toy and that action figure in a commercial and how shitty that toy was the most anyone's thought about that toy in 25 years probably so let's say let's talk about that for a second if you if that toy if they made it so when you pressed him into the molding it just made him flesh what Mm -hmm. if the clay was colored correctly so 
His jacket and pants were black. His face was flesh, and his hair was brown. Would that make the toy any better? <laughs> no, because the point, the thing was, you couldn't do anything with it because right. the 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 T eight hundred sketch. You're just trying to get me to go off on the toy again. I I know what you're doing. No, uh, I'm, the T eight hundred endoskeleton was a, a a static figure. So like the legs and mm-hmm. the arms didn't move because it needed to to right. hold this goop on it. And so afterwards, you know, you push this disgusting goop onto it, you open it up, and then you've just got this, like, kind of wet, fleshy voodoo doll Mm -hmm. that you can tear the stuff off of, and it's fun exactly once until you realize there's really nothing else you can do with it. If you're going to do that toy again, and I'm going to give you more money to produce it, I'm trying to think of what would be the best. If if Todd was going to do it, is it better to have... All right, so you want the T-100. You want the face to be half robot, right? Because that's the big iconic look. What if Arnold's face on the figure just popped off and you could see half the skull? So you could remove one arm and replace it, but it would almost be like a transformer. There wouldn't be any, like, ripping flesh or meltingness quality to the to the toy. Mm-hmm. It would just be... It's like the T-Rex figure oh, that sure. they first came yeah. out for Jurassic Park. Yeah. A little bit of the back came off I, and you could put it back on. Ooh. I think maybe they might have had a figure like that at the time, like where maybe okay. like it had like a spring on the chest or something where it would pop off and you'd see like the robot underneath or something. Yeah. That sounds vaguely That's familiar. Right. I have a the uh, the Enterprise that I have, the, the TNG Enterprise that I have is from Generations the movie Uh and so it has little blast panels that if you hit the button it spring loads pops the panels off and it makes like an explosion noise and it has no damage on the the uh, saucer section so i think yeah you don't see that kind of functionality in in toys anymore they don't do anything anymore now old man toy rant coming up here um (laughs) keep going no i was just gonna say it's i they they have all these retro toys that they do now that they're recreating the old toys that that do stuff but they they don't have any new ones that do this stuff where like yeah. uh you remember that the cyclops figure from the original x-men marvel toys run where he had like uh-huh. the if you sh- if you shined a light into the back of his head it would brighten up the the visor and yeah. stuff and banshee, i know it's pretty weak <laughs> ba- banshee had a had a whistle built into his chest so you could yes. blow through the whistle and it would make a loud noise like the banshee cry i mean it's stupid shit but it, that stuff was always yeah. kind of fun it's funny no wonder todd was like fuck this yeah. i don't want whistle spawn <laughs> fuck you guys i'm gonna invent this reinvent well this i guess shit. my point is no one has. It doesn't seem like anyone's ever tried to blend the two worlds of the more modern, uh, detail-oriented, almost yeah. sculpture statue-like figures with right. more classic functionality. Like where's where's the uh, where's the the Terminator Two figure where like if you if you pull his arm back and then let go, he'll smash somebody in the face. Yeah, the karate chop action. Yeah, or. Um. Or like, remember the Punisher figure that had the or the and the RoboCop figures too. All, I think all they all had this had the cap gun thing in the back, so you yeah. fed a roll of caps into the back, and then you could make it sound like they were yeah. shooting each other. I wonder if caps are still legal. I haven't looked. It's usually in a really cheap toy store, you know, those orange rings. I wonder if that's still a thing you can buy, or if they decided it scared cops too much. And they shouldn't let kids have those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I'm serious. Yeah, maybe. Hundred percent serious. I don't know. Yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, uh, I feel like yeah, you can you you can see the plastic ones around still, but the the rolls, like the paper rolls, I don't really see those much anymore. 
Oh yeah, I forgot about the rolls. You put it into like a, uh, yeah, like a, I don't know what you call it. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, you would just the hammer on the gun would slap down on it. It would yeah. pop. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the orange rings. Right. Where you right. have like six shot. Okay, so we're we're talking about the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I tell you, one of my biggest toy disappointments was when I was young. It was like the early '90s. I had bought my first ever copy of Wizard Magazine. It was Wizard number nine, I think. And they had just released photos of these X-Men action figures that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And they had a photo of Deadpool. And I had never seen the character Deadpool ever. And when I opened that page, I'm like, man, I I love Snake Eyes. I love hot orange uh, and red on my characters. So you're giving me like a a, a hot red Snake Eyes ninja character? Fuck yeah. I was so pumped. And I know nothing about Deadpool. I didn't know about, you know, Rob Liefeld. I, you know, was just sort of getting into comics. And I bought that figure. I found it at a yard sale, actually, because my stupid parents were too cheap to actually buy me one. Um, <laughs> they I were busy the buying sale. you food and clothes, John. <laughs> it's just funny. I can't not talk about my parents and <laughs> take some little dig at them, can I? Um, but when I got the figure, the the swords are like, they look like steak knives and they, you know, kind of collapse into the hilt. So there's, it looks like he's stabbing somebody, but I would rather just have real full length katanas that stick to his back. Yeah. I was real disappointed yeah. with those swords. I've always been disappointed to this day with Wolverine figures because the old ones, the claws, if you remember, they would go back into the arm, which was cool, but they were always yeah. like, you know, this little blob of, of plastic. They weren't like claws yeah. really. And then even with yeah. the new ones where they actually give him legitimate separated claws, they're always like yeah. bent in some weird like they never they can't yeah. make them they can't make them hard plastic because people will hurt each other with them. Um right. so they're always kind of soft. So then you end up seeing the yeah. figure in like one one claw is bent weird, like, you know, uh, yeah. an old fork at a restaurant or something. <laughs> I knew a guy who customized a uh Wolverine action figure. He replaced the cheap plastic uh, claws with metal ones, like small little steel, whatever. Sure. And then he had this blood canister that went into the forearm, and you could fill it with like red food coloring or something. And every time the claws popped out, it would spurt a little bit of blood. (laughs) And he's like, because when these claws come out of Logan, a little bit of blood has to come out too. Mm -hmm. And it had this bonus effect of whenever you had the claws out and you whipped the figure really quickly, like he was swiping another figure, blood would spurt out onto the thing he just attacked. It was amazing. (laughs) And I'm like, why didn't they ever make this, Todd? (laughs) I appreciate his... his, dark and cynical approach to detail did he also have a magneto figure that he he put a concentration camp tattoo in his arm <laughs> this is way before people were doing custom uh action figures yeah um, but that's what i'm talking about that's funny. what i want that's we need we need toys like that that are hyper hyper modern but also have stupid uh ridiculous yeah. uh, actions anyway one thing, one last thing. Sorry, yeah. the T eight hundred figure. What if you made the T one hundred T eight hundred skeleton magnetic, and then if you like put him near his skin, it would like automatically click onto his face or something. That would be kind I don't of know if cool. that makes it. Yeah, okay. yeah, that would be kind of. So neat. I never like uh, the Robocop gun. Having a magnetic thing makes a whole lot of sense on that thigh. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm, now I'm just thinking back about all the. The, the toys that I had where they tried to think out of the box and it didn't work at all. Like I had, I have this one Hulk toy 
that it was the, the thing was oh it's it's Hulk and Bruce Banner you have you have it comes with two toys and the the deal was the Hulk toy was like made out of hard rubber and you could put the Bruce Banner figure inside the back like inside the Hulk right so it's like baby's first metaphor i guess i don't know but it was it was i got it it's like oh that's really cool and then i was like this is why would you ever do this what functionality does it serve for playing or display you can, you just put it up right you put it up on your shelf and go there's the hulk figure there's a small bruce banner figure inside it but you'll never see that but i don't you know right i don't know it was a very strange toy so would you rather have a really nice action figure of batman or would you really have a rather a really nice statue of Batman? Like, do the points of articulation really matter to you? You know, I'm. I think I would go action figure because, like, mm-hmm. I find well crafted action figures more impressive. I think because they can move yeah. and because they can, you know, change position and stuff. Where I mean, they've been making mm-hmm. statues for hundreds of years. You know, you want a statue? You go to, <laughs> go to the museum. You want to see a statue? You want to put put a statue of Batman in the museum? I'm going to go to more museums. Um, and the other question, then we can get back to Batman. Yeah. Is uh, how what's your preferred amount of points of articulation? Um, I don't have a number, but what I right. I really don't like. I I'm I'm more concerned with with how they affect the sculpt of the toy. So, like, I think, I personally think DC figures are much more aesthetically pleasing to look at than the Marvel ones, because the Marvel ones are just, like, atrocities of its articulation. (laughs) They're like G.I. Joe's, but not done well in some cases. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, I, you know, I'm, I'm, as I look over at my shelf here, I'm looking at some of the the animated series ones, the animated series mm-hmm. toys, the articulation points are so smartly worked into the actual figure. That, new ones you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, the new ones. Yeah. That it's just, they're just so much more impressive than like the Marvel ones where yeah. it's like, but you can, there's, he's got a point of articulation in his mid thigh. So you can spin his mid thigh and his knee has five different places it can bend at. It's like, I listen, this just looks like a, like a weird Gumby model at that point. I yeah, so I think four points of articulation in a turning head is not enough. Yeah, I think fifty is too many. I think double jointed knees drive me crazy. I don't think they look good. And I know you want Spider Man's like heel to touch his ass, so he's in like a really <laughs> Spider Man pose. But I feel like it looks makes the whole leg look really, really, really weird and yeah. bendy. Looks At like that he, point it looks you like just he's have, in the middle of knee replacement surgery when you do that. Honestly, yeah, like I almost would prefer a bendy Spider-Man figure, like a well-done bendy one. Mm-hmm. Than a, there's too many points of articulation. But the Batman animated one that you're referring to, the one I have, I'm guessing there's like 20 points. So you have, I, I like the wrist, I like the elbow, chest. I like some kind of elastic in the um, the mid middle part to like hold it together. So you you know like the, the GI Joe type of bendability. Mm-hmm. I think that's smart. Mm-hmm. I don't need the thigh twist. For me, that's too far. Yeah. Like a mid thigh rotation, but I can see why that would be cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, if you can hide it, if you can hide that stuff, I'm all for it. Like those uh, uh, yeah. Mafex toys. I don't know who makes them. I don't know if they're Japanese or whatever. Those things they manage to have like yeah. 400 points of articulation. They look amazing. Yeah, that is cool. And then you, you I have know. a friend at uh, NECA 
And he's always asking me, like, do you want me to grab you some inside stuff or free this, free that? And I feel so bad. It's such a wasted opportunity because I don't really have a lot of toys. Mm-hmm. Um, so I end up asking for him him for stuff for my friends. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they want really obscure shit from <laughs> Gremlins that I've never fucking heard of. And they're like, yeah, that would be nice if we had that because it's selling for $800 right now. But nice. We got rid of those five years ago. Like, nice. Yeah. Anyway, I feel bad. <laughs> he's offering me all this stuff. And I'm like. Thanks, it's cool, but I don't really like the stuff in my office. I don't want it to be too nerdy in here. <laughs> but a fair amount of stuff is leaked in. Like, uh, I should take photos and sh- show it to our viewers, and they can decide if like I need more shit or less. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you've got more than I'm. I think you've got what most artists have. Right. I am. I am honestly. I feel well. I am on the brink of having no more space for anything. But uh, I am. You- constantly amazed when i see other people's collections because mine is nothing compared to those and like i i i i look at them and i go oh this is a little bit more obsessive than i'm comfortable with and also i don't know how you clean all this stuff because it's like it's like Mm -hmm. three bookcases full of figures that are just like lined up back to back to back to back to back and i'm like i don't know who's dusting this but it wouldn't have been me like the like our friend Chris Dabari, he's always buying new Transformers, and those things are notoriously hard to dust. And I imagine he's got three layers of figures on each shelf. Like, you can't even see the ones in the back anymore. Yeah. Right? Now, to me, that's crazy. Like, hey, if you love the hobby, like, I know the hunt and buying new shit is part of the fun. I get it. But I don't know. I, I have a minimalism in my brain. I'm a compulsive deleter, and I try not to have extra shit around. So I, that would drive me crazy. Yeah. I'm <laughs> I'm somewhere in the middle where, like, I like the hunt. Yeah. I like to collect things, but I also the things that I collect. I like for them to to collect them for a purpose. So, like, I'm not a someone who needs to yeah. complete a set type person. But yeah, you know, if if they made a figure of a character who I specifically really like from a movie, it's like, all right, I'm going to go out of my way to try and grab that. Yeah, yeah. Like they've never made a good Zorro statue, as far as I can tell. That's so kind I don't of surprising to me, actually. Yeah, I mean, there's one. It's like, eh, someone gifted it to me, and it was like, I don't. I was on the basis of almost selling it just because I didn't like it. It was offending my love of Zorro because it's like <laughs> a little, you know what I mean, a little gum gum faced and sort of rounded and disproportionate. Mm-hmm. Um, I was almost gonna buy a Rocketeer statue. There's one where the uh, smoke of his um, backpack is holding the whole figure up, which I think is pretty cool. Oh, I think I've seen that. Th- That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Like that might be that looks pretty bulletproof as far as design. I think I could have that forever and never need another one. I yeah. think that's probably as good as it's going to get for Rocketeer. Yeah, you know? yeah. I think and with uh, how deep we're going to go on this. Um, I know, great episode by yeah, the way. Well, hey, as as if we're not talking about stuff that the people who listen to this show care about. Um, <laughs> they probably care more the, about this than yeah. Some that's that's what I mean. They haven't seen for twenty years. Exactly. The the thing with the statues for me is like they usually with the Rocketeer. There's you can only push it so far, and it's like it, you're probably not going to find a Rocketeer statue that doesn't feel like the comic or the movie. But with so many mm-hmm. uh, so many of the other ones, they they push the they tend to push them really far in ways where it's like, well, I'm kind of more attuned to the comic than that. So it's like, do I need a version of Asriel as Batman that was run through like the Michael Bay Terminator filter? Probably not. But like if they had a really good one that looked like the, uh, that uh, a Kelly Jones cover or something, I would probably go for that one. Yeah. 
You, me, and no one else. Yes. And Kelly Jones, maybe. <laughs> um, oh, is there anything man. else you really want to... Th- like, I feel like it's a it's a pretty simple episode. Uh, I, I think it's... Yeah. I would say it's a good... Do you think it's a good finale? I wanted to give it a four. Yeah. Because we just don't have many fours. I hate giving out so many threes. But when you point it out, like the missed opportunity to have Batman and Terry fight over whether or not terry should kill powers or that sounds like a five to me and we're not anywhere close to that yeah so i want i'm gonna give this a three and a half it's fine i want to like it more you know when i was so bummed out by my three out of five i went ahead to look at other episodes thinking like this series has to get better like i'm hoping season two and three start taking more chances and it looks like it does so i'm I'm happy i'm I'm excited for the next season at two and two yeah nice yeah, I would say probably about the same. I think it's it has the potential to be a really good finale, um, because I, well, I think it is a good finale in one way because they do touch on stories they've been uh, playing with for the whole season regarding Terry and Powers and Blight and stuff like that. But yeah. I don't. It, so in that way, it feels like a good finale in that they are moving things forward and kind of laying groundwork for what might happen in the future. On the other hand, I think, like you're saying, I think they could have really gotten kind of uh, meaty with with what was going on, and they, they really mm-hmm. don't. They just kind of leave a lot of it on the table um, yeah. in a way that's consistent, I would say, with, with most of the show. Uh, unlike... Yeah. Un- unlike I, I I don't ever write down what we rate these things, so I couldn't tell you what our rating was for the season across the episode right. to episode. But uh, yeah, I feel like they've all been kind of in the in in the same pocket. But before we get into the wrap up, what would you want to draw from this? Oh shit, I forgot to think of my answer. Why don't you go first? I would draw the boardroom sequence when his face falls off. That was that's like perfect for me. Um, him yeah. busting the blight stuff, busting through the skin on the everything and. For uh, yeah. people freaking out, and I, I that would be that would be great. That's a good one, man. I could see you doing that, especially after Bloody Hell. A lot of the green lighting that you used in that book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you, Russ. I would, yeah, I would redesign the um, limousine that Terry and Batman drive around. I know it's an inverted Batmobile, which is cool, mm-hmm. but I feel like the front of it looks good. The back of it sucks. It needs uh, a better side profile. <laughs> it's and, um, it's dangerously close to the the car from the ambiguously gay duo <laughs> cartoon. It is. It's like a ball sack with a long shaft out front. Yeah, it's totally. Weird. It's kind of weird. <laughs> um. Yeah. So three out of five. Yeah, that's what I draw. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So you want to get into our season wrap up now? Sure. Sure. Uh. Yeah. I I don't have any specific questions or 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 a place to go with this, but I this so this is obviously the uh the new movement off of the adventures the bat new batman adventures they've changed their style they've changed up their mm-hmm. uh everything else do you think it works overall yeah i yeah. think the idea and the designs um work it's it's enough in that they they pushed enough and they had enough um interesting things to work with that it is a solid b for sure. Like, I think people that like Batman, who love the first three seasons or four seasons, this is like a really good way to extend it. It's giving new ways to look at Bruce Wayne, new challenges to Bruce Wayne. Like, the idea is so solid that you really can't really fuck it up too badly. Yeah. Because, yeah, you know what I mean? 
as far as the execution, I think that's where my my beef is. Like, it's too safe. It's not deep enough. And I got to say this again. The music just doesn't work for me all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. I'm repeating myself, I know. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I would agree. I, I do think it works. I think it's... Um... It is a, a new it, it's it's a new take without sacrificing stuff that you that you recognize. You know, I think having Kevin Conroy there as Bruce really really yeah. grounds things in a way that this feels like of a piece with the other stuff and so you're not alienating uh I like if if, if I if I was a kid and this came on and he wasn't doing the voice of Batman, I probably wouldn't even have watched it, frankly. Because TAS yeah. was such a, a a huge Batman milestone and marker yeah. that to just cut bait and move on, I think probably because which is what happened after this. Like I, I I watched a bunch of a bunch of Batman Beyond, and then after Batman Beyond, I I never really watched Justice League, but the next Batman show they did, The Batman. They changed oh. all the designs. All the voices were different, and I was just like, "Eh, this, I don't think this is yeah. for me anymore." Do you think they would have done Justice League in the extended Tim uh, universe without this series? Um, I well, I don't, th- I don't see why not. Do Do you have a reason why you think they might not have? Um, no, I, I actually haven't thought of the answer. I yeah. just thought because this came out after Superman. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. All right. So they had the... With Superman, I'm wondering, did they introduce Wonder Woman or any other JLA characters in that series? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. The only one I can think of is Batman, but they might have... uh, I'm not sure. I think Flash might have been in an episode. But all right. So what I was going to say was this series does get into the JLA because they have a future version of the JLA. Um. In the Superman series, which we haven't watched, obviously, because we don't know what we're talking about now. I mean, they didn't seem to really push JLA too much in the Superman series. Mm-hmm. My thinking is, maybe they did the original Batman, then they did Superman, and then they did this. And they had enough to work. They had this whole, like, JLA of the future. Maybe they thought, you know, Superman was a pretty good hit. Well, but People like Batman Beyond. Maybe we should go back to, back in time now and give us more about Bruce and how he starts the JLA, you know? I... I- I got to stop you there because that episode you're talking about is an episode of Justice League. It's not an episode of Batman oh. Beyond. Yeah, it's it's actually it is a tying up episode for the Batman Beyond series that they did on Justice League. So I thought Batman, there was an episode of Beyond where they also had future versions of Justice. I League. don't. I I don't quote me on it, but the only one that I know of is the one with. Yeah. You know, the black costume Superman and, and the Green Lantern, who's like the little dude who floats around on like a, a, a yeah. kind of monk thing. I'm pretty sure that was just right. on Justice League. Yeah, I remember Hawkman being a really cool character design, and I'm pretty sure he was in Batman Beyond. Maybe even Superman in a black suit. You know, I like not knowing, because this gives us something you know to what? forward to. You, like, I was no, going to look it up. I'm sorry, you are 100% correct. Uh, first, <laughs> first appearing in Batman Beyond Season 3, Episode 8, Episode eight, The Call. Justice League Beyond is led by an older Superman who invites Tara McGinnis Batman to join the team. You're 100% right. Sorry, that's that's my bad. No, no, no problem. I mean, I feel like even with Batman Beyond, they would have gotten to Justice League. I don't think this was a necessary proof of concept for them to keep going. I, I, what's amazing about this cartoon, this series, is that it got approved at all. 
because the people that pitched it didn't really think it had legs. They were, I believe they were sort of told, um, you should pitch another Batman thing. Mm-hmm. And they came up with this Batman future idea and they didn't really think they were, Fox was going to go for it. Or sorry, Warner Brothers was going to go for it. And they did. So I feel like the creators are like, oh, okay, well, I guess we can get the band back together and try some new shit out. You know, one of the big critiques in comics is that with Batman, for example, not enough writers take chances. Mm-hmm. You don't want to disrupt the pattern of Batman. You want it to be familiar. So you don't really want to move too many things around. And I get that. But um, people, my friend was giving me this, this compliment. He goes, you know, he didn't love all of White Knight, but he's like, you took a lot of chances and did a lot of shit that most people wouldn't do. Sure. And I think it's because you don't read a lot of comics and you don't really care what people think <laughs> to a certain degree. And I'm like, that's probably true. Uh, but he was like, you know, at least you took chances. At least you, like, putting Bruce in jail, fuck. That's like, who the hell would think that that would be an idea that works? And you kind of made it work. So I'm like, oh, thanks, man. And fuck you for not liking all of it. <laughs> <laughs> so all I'm saying is, like, what's nice about Batman Beyond, even though I feel like a lot of the episodes are pretty middling, is it does give take chances with Bruce and gives us a whole new version of Bruce we never would have seen otherwise. So I think that the uh, series stands on its own just because of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and and looking up at the dates too, Justice League the show started after uh, Batman right. Beyond was over, pretty much. Or right. at least I, I'm sure they were probably being produced concurrently yeah. in the last season of Batman Beyond. But uh, yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe that is the case. I don't know, but yeah, I I do that. I do like that as well. I do like that they take some chances and being in the mm-hmm. future does allow them the wiggle room to reinvent some stuff and and it's the problem that i have with star trek discovery where they they put they set it in a prequel era which completely Mm -hmm. hamstrings you as far as what you want to do but then they just decided to do stuff like it was a future show anyway and so Mm -hmm. it's like well you are you if you're placing yourself back in time there's certain things that you kind of need to pay attention to, but if you do it in the future, mm-hmm. all bets are off. Do whatever the hell you want. You can change things. You can make new characters based on old ones. It's yeah. you know you get a lot more freedom to do yeah. to do what you want to do. I feel like if you were really gonna, so the Tim's verse started in 1992 and it ended in I don't know 2004. We'll say right. Mm-hmm. And if you really plan that whole thing, I'm surprised you wouldn't go. Let's do Batman, then Superman, then JLA. And then we'll do future Batman and future JLA. Like, that's the way you would think that the suits would roll this out. The fact that we get Batman Beyond in the middle is kind of weird. You know, it, it is... makes me think that they were sort of planning one year at a time and sort of just going with whatever seemed to work. Oh, they didn't really I have yeah, an overarching. I, I, I would be shocked if they had an overarching plan for this. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't make, make sense because, like, if you, if you look at it, Batman makes sense. Follow up Batman, Batman with Superman. That makes sense. Uh, I don't know if Justice League is a slam dunk because if you're a, a, a money person who's just looking at approving stuff and what's working, it's like, well, Batman worked. Uh, what mm-hmm. if we did more Batman? But at the same time, right. I don't know. Maybe maybe that was what they wanted to do. Maybe it was like, well, let's try something different. Maybe they wanted more Batman, but they were like, okay, we'll do more Batman, yeah. but we, can, we want to change it up. I don't know. I'm not sure. Right, yeah. Yeah, interesting. <clears throat> but... Um, I think uh, I'm ready to move on to taking some questions. I think that's more interesting. Sure, sure. Um, 
I think we wrapped up our thoughts. I don't think we left anything on the table, really. No, I don't think so. Um, I, I would I would love to go back and talk about what episodes we did and didn't like, but honestly, my memory's not good enough to, to do it confidently. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, so I have a list of questions that you haven't heard yet. Uh-huh. And you have yours. Mm-hmm. Why don't we go back and forth? I'll uh, I'll start off here. Do you want to start off with a a big a kind of bomb of a question? Like, whoa, okay. Like, do you want to just get right into it, or do you want to do something a little bit lighter? Uh, let's just do it. Let's just get into it. All right. Can I date slash bang other comic book pros? <laughs> <laughs> Who is? <laughs> Someone wrote me. Can I date or bang or have relations with other comic book professionals? We're, we're not saying who this person is. Let's just say no. No. S. Murphy. No, I'm sorry. That's too obvious. <laughs> no, 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 no. Sean M. Sean M. <laughs> <laughs> I think this was after you and I talked about a last episode or two about uh, comic book couples. Yeah. And I think I threw out something like if it's an imbalanced relationship, like if you're really famous and she isn't or vice versa then it's tricky and those things don't normally work. So I think this question came from that comment. Yeah. So Clay, first of all, I could talk about this for an hour and I, I, do, I do a lot of putting my foot in my mouth. I think everyone here knows that, but I'll let you speak first, Clay. Uh, if, if it's between two consenting adults, do whatever you want. Yeah. Now, if you were a managing a comic book pro and he asked you this, would you say that? Or would you say probably better if you don't? business wise i i i don't know uh i i mean i yeah. can't see any inherent reason why it would be bad uh yeah. it's it, i would say <laughs> apply the same rules to any other workplace relationship that you would you know is well here's why i think it's more of a touchy subject with comics people um a lot of introverts don't go out a lot and they go to conventions and it's like hyper socializing a lot of awkward behavior from mm-hmm. both genders. Um, a lot of jealousy. A lot of uh, fighting for very small pieces of pie. Um, I think that is more of a uh, powder keg if there is disagreements or fights or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If this was a, co- a car convention and everyone was making 80 to 120 a year, had health insurance, families, some kind of stability. They were socialized and groomed. They spoke to human beings face-to-face and didn't freak out. I would be less worried about uh, relationships with coworkers. With comics and freelancers and editors, especially like dating editors or vice versa, I don't know, man. The libertarian in me says, go for it, you know, consenting adults. But the businessman mark, uh, manager in me is like, maybe not... Now, not not in the past twenty years. Maybe it's not the time to do that shit anymore. <laughs> Maybe those days are over. <laughs> well, I mean, you just have to be realistic about that being a possibility. You know, you got to make your own decision for yourself. If you don't want any part of that, then don't do it. Yeah, it's like act- it's say- like actors who date or and marry other actors versus actors who don't. Like, there's plenty of actors who are like, right. I just don't. I, I, they marry right. a normal, quote unquote, normal person because they don't want to. Right. mesh those two worlds which is perfectly acceptable and there's some people that marry other high profile actors and actresses yeah. and you know whatever works for them yeah i mean the risk is that you know uh uh what's her name johnny fuck you might have your ex-wife taking a shit on your bed and you'll end up being in court testifying about it <laughs> yeah well you know shit happens literally i guess what's her name sorry 
I don't. Depp's ex-wife. Yeah, yeah, people can look it up. I don't feel like talking about that. Oh, good. The fact that we don't know is actually pretty impressive. <laughs> um, so I would say for me though, if I was suddenly single, I would not. I I live in fear of people tried to cancel me for the past few years. Just for, and they don't really have anything. And, you and more, you more, hate ninety percent of the people who work at the business anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. They sense my animosity. They don't like that I have like uh, a nice car, talk about money, and they just you know it's probably a lot of jealousy. You know what? When I was poor and starting out, I was jealous of people that had success too. Like it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, but that's... I, I feel the crosshairs on my back and me shooting my mouth off. I know it doesn't help, but at this point, uh, fuck it. Like what? They are they already hate me anyway. Why would I change the way? Well, I, am? I, I mean, I, think I don't. You're in a, a a specific position where yeah, that would you probably got to be more careful about that stuff, but. You, know, right. you have like you have to make a decision me. for your own brand and business whether or not that's something right. you want to do. I would not because I would fear. I, I I don't even know what it's like to date now in the age of everyone has a camera. Like, what if I dated some reader and she took photos of me naked while I was asleep on the bed at San Diego? Con- like, I just don't know how that shit rolls out. I don't know sure. why anyone takes the risk these days. You know? Yeah, yeah. We should all just stay home. <laughs> <clears throat> it worked for a year. Why can't it work for the rest of our lives? Yeah, and I, I tell you, man, the stories that you hear behind the scenes of who's dating who and who's fucking who, I can't believe more shit hasn't come out. It's crazy the amount of secrets that are still kept. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. 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 All right, so uh, you go ahead. Now you ask a question. All right. <clears throat> who would win in a fight? A John, a, a John Wayne with cancer, drunk with a gun, or a high on cocaine Frank Sinatra with a knife? <laughs> I know my answer. You go first. Uh, all right, are these each of these actors in their prime? No, it's John Wayne with cancer, drunk, and with a gun. Right. Or Frank Sinatra high on... I mean, it doesn't specify the general... That might have been John Wayne's... That might have been John, Wayne, John Wayne's piece. That's true. They, he, he doesn't specify <laughs> what era of Frank Sinatra high on cocaine with a knife, okay. so dealer's I'm assuming Frank one. is... I'm assuming they're both drunk, because uh, Frank Sinatra was not necessarily that sober. So they probably have got, you could punch them more and they won't feel it for a while, you mm-hmm. know, like you can kind of deflect the pain. Um, I'm going to go Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Yeah. I think Wayne probably has more height and more weight on him. And if he was taking it seriously and <laughs> not a drunken idiot, he might have a, might be able to get a leg up on Frank Sinatra. But Frank grew up on the street, Italian friends, not afraid to slap people around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I put my money on Sinatra. Yeah, I would too, because uh, John Wayne, drunk with cancer and a gun, he thinks he knows how to use a gun, but he would not hit yeah. Frank Sinatra for a second, and he's also a coward. Yeah. So Frank Sinatra, <laughs> I believe, could actually hurt somebody. So it's Frank Sinatra I... with a walk, I believe. Hold on, I forgot that John Wayne had a gun here. Hold on. <laughs> You're right. Uh, does... He might get off one lucky shot, but I think he would probably hit frank in the thigh and i would just piss frank off even more no the cancer and the booze is just he's not going to hit anything and also the fact that he probably couldn't actually shoot a gun and for real if he wanted to so right okay because he, he's a coward <laughs> Man, what if his grandson is listening? what if this is his favorite john wayne jr 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 this mm-hmm. is his favorite batman podcast and you've just been taking a big old dump on his great grandfather all these years hey you got to learn the truth sometime. <laughs> All right. Um, would you rather see Batman Beyond as a movie or an HBO series? Um, 
good question. It's tough because I think like if you asked me that 10 years ago, I'd say movie, but I don't know because, okay, well, I'm going to say series because it would probably be an HBO series and I trust mm-hmm. HBO to make a good series. Um, right. Not that I don't trust them to make a good movie, but uh, I don't know. I think that the problem with this stuff nowadays is that you can you end up making series out of stuff that maybe you don't have enough story to fill a series with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so I don't know. I I, w- I I would say if it was, I I would want to want like a, a maybe like a, a twelve. 10, 10 episode series with uh you know Michael Keaton mm-hmm. playing old Batman. I mean that's what I assume that yeah. I hope that's what we're getting from the Batgirl movie that's coming out in shortly next year or whatever. So yeah, sidebar. Keaton is in the Flash movie and Batgirl? Yep. I don't, I don't Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And uh that that the Flash actor, I don't know his name either. Uh Ezra Furman. Uh, Shit, I do know Ez, his name. Ezra Miller. Miller. Okay. Uh is what the, his behavior is that like cancel the project or what's going on there? Uh, unclear. <laughs> okay, that's fine. <laughs> uh, all I know is that uh, Warner Brothers has said they are no longer casting. He, Ezra Miller is no longer the Flash. Let's put it that way. So, okay. uh, I assume the movie will still be coming out with Ezra Miller mm-hmm. as the Flash, even though hey, people were. Who's the guy that replaced Kevin? Wait, who's the guy that replaced uh, Christopher Plummer? Kevin. Bish? as the flash unfortunately he's dead so it wouldn't it wouldn't work super well but yeah there there was talk about that there was because the movie doesn't come out for for like another year and people and people are like is it possible they could just reshoot the whole movie with somebody else but or hire an actor that looks close to him and then murder the problematic actor and replace him with a clone yeah just look alike just like they did just like they did in the beatles yeah <laughs> Wait a minute. Which beetle did they clone? Sorry, did they replace Paul? What? I'm not. Yeah. No, that's one of those. Yeah. No. Yeah, he died in a car crash, and they replaced Paul with a with a with a lookalike who looked exactly like him, plus uh, with a little bit of help okay. from uh, facial reconstruction surgery. And well, you get a little bit of buy with a little bit of help from your friends, right? right? Exactly. Is maybe <laughs> that's what that song is about? Who's to say? <laughs> And uh, also, they managed to find someone who was not only as good a performer and songwriter as Paul McCartney, arguably better. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I will say, uh, hot take here. Mm -hmm. I know that we're all supposed to like um, uh, John Lennon more, and he's the real artiste here, but I'm more of a Paul McCartney guy because he seems like he's more grounded and better at business and a harder worker. And doesn't date weird girls that derail derail his career. Uh, well, I mean that's arguable. If you if you do if you look up his last uh, divorce, you might change your mind on that one. But um, yeah, but yeah, no, I I I have always been a Paul McCartney fan. As far as the I, I was George Harris. I've never been a huge John Lennon fan. Uh, mm-hmm. I was a George Harrison fan first, and then as I started listening to the Beatles more, I was like, oh, Paul McCartney is the the glue to this band that makes it all work. I think that's clear. I mean, he's the one that kept them grounded. He's the one that went out to clubs by himself and got into new music and sort of pushed blues on them and forced them to expand. Like, sure, John Lennon might, in his DNA, he just might be more wild and creative, but I don't think it was 
put to work properly. And I think Paul McCartney was a, a harder worker. And I think he proved it again. Like, I like Wings a lot. Uh, and even when he went solo, I think that stuff's great. Like, I, I, I listen to Wings more than Beatles just because Beatles are overplayed. Yeah, I mean, Love Take Me Down to the Streets is one of my favorite Wings songs, so. Oh, really? Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know that one off the top of my head. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, so, sorry. Uh, I would do the, the HBO series. I think that uh, DC slash Warner Brothers seems to do better with smaller contained series than big movie, big expensive movies. Mm-hmm. I think um, the Batman Beyond, like if it had a m- limited budget for 10 episodes and you had to be creative with the script, that's the kind of stuff I like. I don't want to see a big Michael Bay style production of Batman Beyond that just throw a lot of money at it. It'll be fine. Like sure. I don't want that. Sure. So I'm definitely more down with HBO. Uh, and the other part of the question was who would you want directing it? Ooh, you know, honestly, I don't even know. Because if you go and see, there's yeah. so many good people out there now doing these these shows and stuff. Like, uh, yeah, the I don't I don't know about director, but I know the person who wrote Miss Marvel is the person doing the Batgirl movie, which makes me really excited because mm-hmm. I think Miss Marvel's fantastic. But it's yeah. you know every every time one of these things comes up and it's really good, it's by it's a new name that I've never heard of, and it, there's just so many great people who are working now. Uh, mm-hmm. Like if I had to pick a name out of a hat of people who I like know. Uh, I don't know. Do you have anybody in mind? I would love David Fincher, but he doesn't want to do Batman. No, that <laughs> you know he would do one of those cool. Batmans where it's like, okay, I'll do Batman, but what if we don't say the name Batman, and he never wears a suit, and <laughs> yes, <laughs> he's just an angry old man that beats the shit out of people. See, that's basically what I did, David Fincher, for <laughs> Batman that's, Beyond that's the White Knight. That's a good Knight. point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, you you like sci-fi? That's Because <laughs> you're in. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know off the top of my head. I'm trying to think of a, dir- a director who I would... I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We'll come back to it later. Uh, do you want to go or should I go? Uh, yeah. yeah, I'll go. Question. Uh, what are your guys' plans for future projects? Also, will we be getting an artist edition for Beyond the White Knight? You want to start that one off? Um, I keep telling DC to do artist edition. Mm-hmm. I told them literally two days ago. I told my editor in France, half my Batman sales are uncolored Batman books. Oh wow! And she says that's cool, but those are European buyers. And I said I agree, but I feel like you're leaving money on the table by not releasing an uncolored version of my stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you could do this with every artist. I don't like. She, I love Clay Man's stuff. Um, but his colorist does a lot of the completion, which works really well because I always fight my colorist, which is I, maybe Clay's got it figured out and I don't. Um, but a lot of artists don't really work for black and white. Like Greg Capullo, you could do it with me. You know, you can get into the um, Paul Popes and all the Daniel Warren Johnsons. Those kinds of guys is what I tell DC. All of them, all their black and white, st- all their colored stuff, just release it black and white. And I tell in oversized, like 11 by 17 artist editions or whatever. When I made them for plot holes, it only cost me like five bucks per book to print. And we're selling them for 50. And we probably could have gotten more for that. Like, yeah. hello. And my worry is that the suits will think, oh, we can just do this with everybody because it's successful with Sean. And my answer is no, it has to be the right type of artist. Sure. Like, no disrespect to artists that use colorists. Like, Again, love Clay Van stuff, but 
yeah, I guess you have my answer. So I, I'm pushing them to do that, but they just don't get it. And I don't think the bandwidth is there because there's still need to replace people that have been laid off. And then they're still like not sure the direction of the company is. That's my feeling sometimes. No one's told me that officially, but I don't know. Like I throw all these good ideas at them or ideas that I think are good. And um, they never seem to work out. So I'm sort of just giving up, throwing my hands up at some point. Like, <laughs> yeah, fine. You know, when I do my own books next year and I release artist editions of my shit and I make a lot of money, fine. If you guys can't see these spreadsheets and understand that you're leaving on the, on the table, then I'm not going to waste my time trying to convince you otherwise. Yeah. Uh, that being said, we do have another deluxe coming out, which will be like an oversized colored uh, Batman Curse of the White Knight. Um, and then... Um, What's the other size or format that's even bigger than that, Clay? Do you know what that's called? Uh, it's not deluxe. Absolute. Oh, sure, yeah. I don't know what absolute really means. It's if usually, absolute means black and white. No, absolute is ahead. usually like the complete. It, it's uh, it's essentially like an omnibus sort of. Um, of okay, of so everything. all three together or whatever? Yeah, so like, you know, your, your absolute. It's, yeah. it's usually for stuff that is... Uh yeah, I would I I would say White Knight would probably fall under that purview if I had to guess. It's it's like they did one for Dark Knight Returns and Year One right. and Watchmen. Usually it's like oversized, here's the book, here's every bit of connective material there is. Uh mm-hmm. you know, sketches, interviews, posters, one shot, like everything you could possibly want about Batman Year oh, One okay. is in this one pack. Okay. That kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, there's no plans for that now. I'm sure one day they they do know how to make money with absolutes, so I'm no. sure that's going to happen at well, some point. Well, the thing that I wonder, I was wondering if you should ask about, uh, they're they're turning you down for the black and white thing, but they have a whole line called Batman Noir, which is black and white hardcovers of Batman stories, yeah, of like big Batman stories. Like I have, uh, yeah, I have the Dark Knight Returns one, and honestly, I, to speak to what you're saying about it, it differs artist to artist. Dark Knight Returns is probably my favorite Batman book. And I bought. I didn't even mm-hmm. question buying that. And once I bought it, I was looking through it, and I was like, eh, you know, I, it's okay. I think the colored version's better. <laughs> but like the, the, yeah. the Frank's yeah. art, Frank and Klaus's art for that just is is more yeah. more open for for color. Like yeah. the color is such a big part of that book that to take it out, it's like yeah, yeah it's it's still okay. It's still pretty good, but it's not quite the same. Yeah. But I'd I'd be interested yeah, to hear how they do with those books because it's something yeah. they do. So I don't know why they couldn't do it with yours. Yeah. I've had a rough year with DC. Uh, yeah. And I don't want to get into it because I don't want you to have to edit out another bunch of shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, it actually leads into a question I got. Did I? Did we answer that fully? Uh, Is there anything more the first, to talk about? The first half of it was what are your what are you guys' plans for future oh. projects? Um, I'm happy to talk about this project you and I are going to do called The Last Driver. Sure. It's it's a, uh, I wanted to do a book that takes place in the future and everyone's driving these really wimpy automatic vehicles and pods. And it's kind of like Demolition Man where everyone in the future is a pussy who <laughs> doesn't know how to drive. <laughs> and you have one last driver who's like a ex race car driver. He's basically Snake Plissken. This is, let's just be honest, this is a soft uh, escape from New York 3. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and they need him to uh, get in his car because his car is like a, you know, gasoline car. There's no computer chips in it, and he can basically go around the city untraced if he's careful. And they need him to complete a mission. It's just a, like a 48-page type of deal. Um, 
very simple linear story, uh, which would be nice because normally my my shit gets complicated. And I really wanted to do the story called The Last Driver, and um, I wanted to involve Clay because he's a massive like Kurt Russell fan, and just genre just seems to speak to him. And rather than hire Clay as like my editor, I wanted him to be co-writer and own a piece of it with me. So um, after Zorro, I'm gonna see if, where DC is at mm-hmm. and see if I want to do another Batman or not, or just roll into The Last Driver with Clay. Um, and you know maybe Clay write and draw a backup story or you know have you get involved more because you own a piece of the IP of course. Um, but actually, ironically, I was thinking about just releasing that in black and white, not coloring it at all. Sure, yeah, yeah, why not? <laughs> or with Zorro, I was thinking about having two versions. One is a inexpensive colored version, and then have a black and white one that's more expensive. Mm-hmm. And I know it's silly because you're not paying for colors, but a lot of artists and collectors prefer the black and white stuff. And if you make it nice and collectible, I don't see any problem with charging more. Yeah. I mean, no one's forcing you to buy it, you know? Sure. Our, uh, is, so, yeah. Our, have we talked about your plans for Zorro before? I, I think we might have. I can't remember. Yeah. I, so I, I can't get into it too much because I the lawyers don't want me to mention much yet, but I'm going to be announcing it officially in the next six months. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, no one transcribes these podcasts, so I'm generally okay talking about stuff. Well, I don't but... know, man. We, we we did that one interview for for Red Hood where it started off with the interviewer being like, so I listened to your podcast, and I was like, oh, no. Oh, my God, you're right. <laughs> so those days might be over. Just like dating and banging other comic book pros, those days might be over. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll I might see. Start have to, I might have to clean up what I say more, which sucks, because I, I like being honest, but uh, sorry, I got two dogs that... Are going crazy here. Um, um, yeah, so The Last Driver, that's my next big plan with you. And then we have, a, you and I have a bunch of other plans. Like, I'd like to start my own publishing company in comics and have you be involved in some capacity mm-hmm. and maybe even, like, do your books. And, like, if you did a sequel to Bloody Hell, I could do, like, a backup story and then market it that way. Mm-hmm. And you know, who knows? Like, I just want to work with my friends. I'm getting to a point where it's less about the money and it's more about happiness. Sure, so, sure. We'll see. Yeah, I've, I've got a... Uh... I've got a few things in the fire, but like nothing. So the next thing I'm hoping to work on is um, a new graphic novel that I'll be doing with our buddy Ricardo Lopez Ortiz. It's called Hardstyle Juice, and it's a uh, it's a story about a uh, girl who comes from a pro wrestling family who ends up using her. Uh, she's a deathmatch wrestler, and she ends up using what she's learned as a deathmatch wrestler to. Uh, to help her track down information about the death of her brother, who was another wrestler who was mysteriously killed in the ring. So uh, mm. um, that's the next thing I'm hoping to do. Um, I, I, Ricardo and I came up with this idea like three or four years ago, and we've just been waiting for the for the pieces to fall yeah. in the right place, and I think we're there. So mm-hmm. if everything goes well what we're going to do with it like is how we're going to put it out is a little bit up in the air um mm-hmm. but what hopefully what's going to happen is the plan right now is Ricardo's going to start drawing the first issue in like at the end of August um and then from there we might kickstart it but if we have another option we might take that but either way he's going to start working on it so we're going to have uh get some get some traction on it and and hopefully that's the next thing that I that I do. Um, I've also been thinking about starting a Patreon to because I've got so many other things that are kind of like going, and they have, there's a lot of downtime between them, and I've got other stuff that I want to do, 
like personal projects that I want to do that would just be me writing and drawing them. And mm-hmm. but I was trying to think of a way to do it where it would keep me basically it wouldn't just be me slaving over something in in obscurity for 3 years or whatever. So I was thinking about doing a Patreon where it would be kind of like a you know low money buy-in, but it would be kind of like a soup to nuts kind of thing where it's you're going to get to see the entire process of me creating this this book. So it was something that would keep me keep me doing it but not such a breakneck pace that I would be I could do other stuff while I'm doing this in the background kind of. And so even like I've got three or four ideas I've been wanting to do. So I was thinking I would even put that up to a vote for the patrons. So it's like do like a tagline or a log line for each of them. And whichever one you guys yeah. think is the most interesting, that's the one I'll, I'll create and then go from there. So I'm kind of thinking about yeah. that. And uh, yeah, that, those are the two main things I'm, I'm dancing with at the moment. Cool. There's also um, I would you I would like to do a Catwoman White Knight at some point, And you had an idea for that. Mm-hmm, um, so mm-hmm. that's something that we, you and I always have in the back of our minds. And then you and my wife co-writing a, um, another white knight s- series that would focus on Joker's kids. Um, yes. Yep. Which is not approved yet. Um, it's not officially announced, but those are sort of ideas that are kicking around in the back of our heads yep. too. And I, I think it's okay to point, I'm sorry. I think it's okay to mention those yeah. things for now. And I, I did, I did, uh, hint to you that I had an idea for a, an expanded Red Hood series if we wanted to come back to that. So there's yeah. plenty and of I stuff. And I said, fuck off. I'm busy. You have two <laughs> possible White Knight books in the work. Leave me alone, hey, dude. Quit getting greedy. The whole point of this was to, <laughs> so you could just do other stuff. Just just hand me the reins. I'll, I'll drive the car. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you know when I'm not in the mood, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, um, your turn. All right. Uh, so one is, we should, we should just do a whole podcast about this. It's a question about money. And uh, I, I was actually going to text you, Clay, to see like if we could do a special episode, even charge for it, considering talking about money. <laughs> and I can honestly talk about the money in comics and like what I used to get paid, um, what I sort of get paid now, mm-hmm. um, and just give a real fair, honest estimate of like what people are facing if they get into this and tricks to make money on the side. Um, my worry is like, it's going to come across as braggy because I'm, I'm a one percenter um, and generally not a great idea to talk about what you make if you're doing well because it's just going to drive anger and jealousy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe there's a way. It would be nice to put all my thoughts down in one place and talk about money and maybe I don't have to get into what I make specifically was, or what you make. Or I'm, Was the question just how much money do you make? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like talk about money. I'm trying to get into this and I I – have an inheritance and i was thinking about giving this a shot oh sure should i burn through my inheritance and how much should i burn through before i start to see return shit like that it's yeah it's not a it's a long question yep <laughs> but it's... it made me think you know we should just do a thing about money if, if you were willing to do that clay and we can make we could charge people for it <laughs> yeah yeah i would say yeah we, we can talk about that more we can see if we can find a way to do that that that's yeah. uh, productive and not just uh is... griping about stuff and, yeah yeah yeah, there's a, there's a real lack of information. A lot of people don't oh, totally. want to talk about this stuff in comics, yeah. and I get why it's like annoying. So I'm happy to do it, even if it shoots myself in the foot a little bit. Like I'd rather just be honest with people, and if it's useful, great. So yeah, we can save that for another time. Sure. Um, what are some tricks to podcasting? Tricks to podcasting is uh, consistency in audio quality. 
<laughs> really? I would say is <laughs> we've been doing this. I've been doing this with Wes, uh, with you, with Amanda. Total probably about, Jesus, what year is it? I think like eight years, I think, at this point. And mm. um, that's kind of sad. <laughs> not, sa- not, not sad for me, man. Uh, <laughs> and th- we still run into audio problems like whether it's microphone connection issues or internet connection issues but at the same as we've gone through i think wes and i both the thing that we've kind of zeroed in on is audio fidelity should be like your number one priority because Hmm. i don't it could be the greatest conversation anyone's ever had if it sounds like garbage then no one's going to want to listen to it and like i've i would i've listened to plenty of podcasts where it's start it's a topic i really want to hear about but one person sounds like they're recording inside a tunnel and the other person has like a three second delay on everything it's impossible to listen to Mm, yeah that's fair i think um to add to that I think your audio has to be 80% good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll listen to stuff where it's a little wonky. I'm not a real audio snob, but I'm also half deaf, so maybe I've just never really paid attention to audio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I know a lot of people will complain about audio, uh, and I think those comments are by a loud minority. I don't think all your viewers really care about audio unless it's really bad. So that's why I'm saying like, as long as audio is 80%, yeah. I feel like... It's mostly fine. I would agree. I I, I don't think it needs okay. to be pristine, but like it needs to be listenable. Um, mm-hmm. Whether or not that means one of the co-hosts goes through and uh, cuts out all the buzz saws in the background it depends <laughs> on your situation at the time, I guess. What are you talking? Wait, wait, is this a specific? <laughs> yes. Did I do this? Yeah. Remember, we did that one episode where you where you were having work done in your house, and you were like, "Could you please not oh, do work geez. for an hour?" And he was like, "Yeah," and then he just kept doing the work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I never with that one, and we had I had the literal thunder and lightning around me for an hour. Yeah, I think no, you let that in because it was just fine. too awesome. <laughs> but uh, okay. I would say on top of that, the other the other trick I would say is, um, know your audience, and what I mean by that is if if you're doing a show like like our show, we 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 kind of know more or less what people are kind of interested in hearing and so doing the batman stuff the the using the episode as kind of like a jumping off point for us to kind of talk about other stuff um i think is it 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 really avoids that that trap of your podcast just turns into two people bullshitting for an hour which i i really i hate that i really don't like that and if that's what you think if if you're listening to this and you think that's what this is i apologize but I um turns into that sometimes. Sometimes I, I do admit it does. Yeah. But you know, we have at least a core that we can come back to if it's going too off the rails. Sure. Uh yeah. But yeah, I would say, you know, know your audience and, and try to I everything that I do, whether it's podcasting or, or, or comics or whatever, I try to make something that I would enjoy. And so mm-hmm. I would say do that as well. Like if, if you can listen back to the show and you are entertained by it, then you're doing it right. Yeah. My answer would be, uh, I agree with all the stuff you said. I'd also say authenticity. Oh, absolutely, I, yeah. We live in a world of catered, tailored, monitored, um, groomed by the suits um, content. And to people can sense bullshit. 
Mm-hmm. And even if they don't know it, I think they can still sense it. Um, like the way I'm talking right now, I don't know where the sentence is going. <laughs> I think that that's part of authenticity is just sort of being raw, but also knowing how to self-edit while you're talking sure. just to keep it, keep it moving, you know? Um, a lot of people, I don't know if it's just in comics or in general, a lot of people seem to have a hard time being authentic, especially when they're recording. And I, I understand why. In the age of, you know, you don't want to get canceled, you don't want to get yelled at or piss people off. Um, yeah, I think being authentic is important and giving giving it your best. Like even, uh, you ever seen interviews with people and they you just don't care and they're not really giving it all that often, giving it all that much? I, I feel like there's an art to being a great interviewee where you can really tell the person is really giving it their best. It's almost an art form in and of, in and of itself, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like interviewers who give it, interviewees who give it their best are like engaging. They never take things the wrong way. They shut up if the other person's speaking. You know, they, they really make it a performance and give it 100%. And I think that I try to give it 100%, whether it's doing this or if I'm on the show floor at a convention, meeting people, like, uh, I remember meeting pros who had their head down and were like, meh, yeah, whatever, right, how you doing? Right. And I'd say, oh, this book was great. I was like, oh, you like that book? Yeah, that guy, he's a dick, he never paid me, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, a lot of pros still do that. And like, I have never do that. Even if I feel that way, I'm gonna save that shit for my bartender and I'm just gonna try to be the best that I can when I'm doing stuff like this. So I know I don't always have the best, sometimes I'm tired or slightly tipsy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Um, but I think being authentic and giving it your best is this is an art form, and, and you know that Clay. I mean, you you do this really well. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would agree. But I then agree with being all too that. authentic and putting your foot in your mouth, like I do a lot, is probably it's just good to have an editor. Let's <laughs> put it that way, not just for buzz saws. <clears throat> right, which is why that's the other that's the other <laughs> advice. Always have at least two people on your show. <laughs> One person who controls <laughs> the edit. <laughs> Um, yeah, mutually assured destruction, separation of power. Yes. Uh, question for the both of you. How would you approach using Ra's al Ghul and Deathstroke in the White Knight universe? I'd love to see these characters in the next volume. Hmm. Um, me personally, I had uh, I had some ideas about how to do that, but uh, I was told to slow down, so we're not going to talk about those right now. So, <laughs> what? Was it for a Jason Todd sequel? Yes, it was. Okay, but, we'll, we'll hear it later. Yeah. Is it uh, a Deathstroke? Uh, I was kind of going back and forth about it because oddly enough, Ra's al Ghul and Deathstroke were both on the table for this thing I was thinking of. Uh, mm-hmm. Not in a way I think people might necessarily expect, but why don't, why don't you go and uh, if you've had right. any thoughts about, about using these two characters. Because yeah. Deathstroke um, actually, we kind of, I, I think we've talked about this before, he was kind of on the table for the first Red Hood thing but we thought he was a bit too big for this. But have you have you thought about either of these guys otherwise? I don't know a lot about Deathstroke, honestly. Mm. I love his look. Um, as far as Ra's al Ghul, or Raish al Ghul as I call him, I, I would love to do a series just of him as the Highlander kind of a thing. Oh, you know? sure. Where he's the, he's the hero in a lot of ways. I mean, you know, he's also the villain. But I love historical stuff too, so it's a great excuse to do more flashbacks and to ancient history um but I, you know i don't know a lot of my readers um i think they they really like white knight volume one there was some drop off with volume two because i just think the history stuff just wasn't people they're not as interested mm-hmm. i think beyond is back on track 
So I think the, the out of the three, Curse is the hardest sell, even though I've got people who think that's their favorite because they love history. So, you know, the risk for me is like, if I do Rachel Ghoul my way, I might bore some of my readers. <laughs> um, but I'd love, yeah, as far as me being interested, yeah, absolutely. Like, um, make him an antagonist or just make a spinoff just as him or something. I don't know. You know, the problem too is like, how do you package this stuff? Sure. Um, how do you tie it into the main main line? You know, yeah. so if Raish was a side character and then you did a spinoff, like that's obviously the, the better way to market it. You don't just release a Raish al Ghul white knight out of the blue when he's never been in the universe. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that was that was the problem we kind of were dancing around with Catwoman because people have asked like, oh, where's Catwoman? It's like, well, I mean, she's not really <laughs> part of the series. Like <laughs> even, yeah. you know, when we were talking about this upcoming thing that you had mentioned mm. that... uh you, me, and Colleen were working on. Uh, Colleen had floated the idea of, of using Catwoman in a small capacity, and we were kind of like, uh, I mean, yeah, it would be great to put her in, but she's just such a questions. yeah, too many questions. Yeah. She's never even been mentioned by name in this in the in the yeah. series, so it's tough to yeah. drop a character like that in out of the blue uh, without raising mm-hmm. you know a lot more questions so, and stuff. I so. I'm going to go against what I just said. I think Catwoman is the exception. I think I could just do a two-issue miniseries, sure. Catwoman White Knight, sure. because it's so obvious that she's missing. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't really need explanation. People will see that and be like, oh, thank God. Finally, some fucking answers. Right. You right. Know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was always kind of the idea that when, when we had talked about it in the past is like, we don't really even need to tie this in that much. Like she can kind of yeah. almost exist on her own, but as long as yeah. you kind of, you know, smooth over the history a bit of where she's been and what has happened with her and Bruce. I think, I think you could get away with doing yeah. a couple issues that are just focused on her, yeah. you know? Yeah. I thought about doing a whole issue of splashes like, uh, the Thor that Walt Simonson did. And a few other people I think have done it too. Um, not for any storytelling reason, just to sell the ass out of the artwork. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be pretty Maybe. cool. I don't know if it would, but a whole, yeah, a whole, a whole issue of covers basically. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Honestly, like, bam, there's another house. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we can get into that when we talk about money. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, that would, I don't have any more any more questions. Oh, I don't okay. know if you do. Yeah, I've, yeah, we have a handful of them. We'll try to get through as many as we can. We try to go, I'm, yeah, I wouldn't mind getting through it quickly because sure, I'm sure. sort of ignoring uh, a guest. Sure, sure. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Uh, when you write and draw a scene in a comic, do you have a music that you would play when re- reading it? Like, okay, I see. Okay. When you write and draw a scene in a comic, do you have a music that you would play when reading it, like an unofficial soundtrack? So, like, uh, would like a do you have a ever think of like a Spotify playlist that you put together for issue three of Beyond the White Knight or something? Totally. You and I even talked about doing it for Red Hood because um, you're more musically inclined than I am. Putting together like a sweet Red Hood like mix of set synth wave with like eighties metal sure. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. I, you know, I yeah. don't know if I ever think of it in the moment as I'm doing it. Like, I don't know if I ever draw something and go like, you know what? This this feels like Shout at the Devil by Motley Crue to me. But, um, you know, I I do that stuff more as I'm, I, I do it more for myself than for uh, the the reader, I guess. So, like, if I'm... I find that when I when I draw and when I write, I when I draw, I like to have the the things that I'm drawing on in the background. If it's like so, basically, I was doing this um, this uh, 
Batman commission not too long ago, and I used it as an opportunity to to watch like twelve episodes of Batman sixty six that that kind of thing where like it keeps you in the headspace. But as far as stuff that I would recommend, yeah, I think it would be fun to do a to do a playlist like that for for Red Hood. But I don't know if there's any specifically that I would I would say in the moment, you know, as a yeah. as a as a reader to listen to. Yeah. Okay. Um. We found out in season one that Batman and Batgirl were in a relationship in the past. Are you for Batman and Batgirl as a couple or not? Please, please explain your reasoning. I feel like we've covered this multiple times. Uh, yeah, I very much hard no. Hard no. Uh, it's yeah. for the same reason that I don't like students dating teachers. Um, hmm. You know, that kind of it's that whole. I don't know. It, there's just got to be a separation there. And Bruce, I don't. It just doesn't track oh. with me that Bruce would, so, would do that. In a future state, I meant to bring this up earlier. Um, there's a scene where Batman and Batgirl are talking, and Batgirl just had a miscarriage. Oh wow! Or something. Okay. And she said um, she was th- three months pregnant. And Bruce says, "Oh, are you going to tell Dick?" And she goes, no, because I haven't seen him for four months. Oh. So the baby was Bruce's. Is that like, are we sure that's what it is? Or is it just she's just dating somebody else? Yeah, you else? Google it. I'm, so I'm probably getting a little bit wrong, but that's essentially what happened. And there's a page Ugh. of art with dialogue. If you Google it, you can find Ugh, it. Yeah. I hate it. Why? So the reason I know this is because people were holding up my latest issue, White Knight, saying... This is much better. You know, Dick and Barbara have a kid and their relationship didn't work out, but maybe they'll still get back together. And Bruce is just, you know, I mean, Babs might have had a crush on Bruce, like a, right. a harmless crush at some point, but it never went both ways. So that's the only reason I know about this. But this is a thing that happened in uh, some continuity. Maybe it's Future State or, oh, no, it's um Beyond 2.0. Oh, really? Okay. So I think it's in canon for the 2.0 comic, I believe. Okay. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. And I don't like it. No, I don't know. <laughs> a lot of people don't like it. It's just, stop making everyone in comics fuck every other person. Well, like, not everyone least, needs to get laid by other every you, other character. If you're gonna do that, just make it make some sort of narrative sense. Like I just don't believe in any universe that Bruce Wayne and Barbara yeah. Gordon would get together. You know, I it, yeah, I just don't. Um, when yep. when drawing a book you're writing, how do you adjust where your calories go to which part when? Like do both like do both excuse me like do both parts in the same day or have separate days writing separate writing and drawing days write the majority before doing most of the art that kind of thing um, yeah I separate them yeah I feel like the language side of the brain is very different than the visual spatial recognition side of the brain which is what art I think is um, I find when I start to write. It's, I'm slow on day one, mm-hmm. and I get much better, much faster by day two or three. Uh, then when I switch back to art, I'm slow again because I have to use the other the other part of the brain that's now gathered dust. Um, but I know writers that can switch gears very easily, and I'm jealous because I, I I can't do that. Yeah. What about you, Clay? I'm the same way, especially moving into writing. If I've been drawing a lot, it's just a completely different mindset to be in. Not only like as far as the creation of stuff itself, but just um 
being okay with being frustrated at how slow it can come because like it's when you're drawing you sit down as long as you put the pencil on the paper something's going to come out but with writing I always find that like for the first day or so it can be a lot of me staring at a black blank piece of paper because my brain's got to get back into it I have to kind of like collect my thoughts a little bit more it's it's there's a lot of a lot more room for uh, uncertainty there on the first couple days which can be frustrating because you know if you're used to producing art page after page after page and then you sit down to do something else and it's just like all right now we wait it's just it can be a little bit uh disorienting yeah for sure uh you mentioned early on this show's premise reminded you of spider-man 2099 now that you've watched the full season does that similarity still strike you um yes i think less so as it went on but i i think it's still it's still there, but I think it's definitely kind of feeling like its own thing now as we get to the end of the first season. I still think of it as what if Batman trained a new Spider-Man, but also Blade Runner? Yes. <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> that's really in my mind. I, I just can't get away from that. And I love that premise, honestly. So, yeah, I'm more convinced, but yeah, <laughs> it's a good thing because I really love I love uh, part of the reason why I wanted to do Beyond in my book is because I wanted to do Batman uh, Spider-Man 299 mm-hmm. but you know I know DC will pay me more so you know and I, and I love this universe still even though I give a lot of threes to these episodes I still love the idea yeah well that leads into this next question you mentioned early on that you hated the idea of a cyberpunk Batman when it was coming out has that feeling changed for you and if you were in charge of doing a new show what would you have done instead I that can probably be our last question I think that's a good one to end on could you, so the sound clonked out. Can you just oh, read sure. that again real quick? You mentioned early on that you hated this idea of a cyberpunk Batman when it was originally coming out. Has that feeling changed for you? And if you were in charge of doing a new show, what would you have done instead? I love cyberpunk Batman. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I don't remember why I said that. I, maybe when I was young, it just felt so foreign to me. Mm-hmm. That might have been where I was coming from when I, when I stated that. But... My feelings now, looking back, are just like, I love Blade Runner. I love Batman. Why not have them both, you know? Yeah. And it's so fun to draw. It's just, you know, drawing bricks and wrought iron and gargoyles is fun for a while. But it is nice to just draw slick, clean cities and skyscrapers that should fall over, but they're not. (laughs) You know, a a flying car is is always a a get for me. So, yeah, I love it. Um, My preferred Batman is still the original stuff, of course. Like I'm gonna live in one. If I'm gonna have to draw one book forever and ever and ever, I'm gonna draw a traditional Batman. Um, but the cyberpunk stuff is is really great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I like it. I, I like it too. I I think the thing that I wish I I wish they could do more cyberpunk stuff. If I'm being honest, like I I think they are kind of hamstrung a bit by animation and the fact that it's a kid show. That I, I so I wish I kind of wish they could do a little bit more detail with some of that stuff instead of everybody just like the future meaning weird haircuts and everybody wears a visor. Um, <laughs> but all to, overall, I think it's a, I think it's a good idea. I think placing Batman in a in a setting like this that is unfamiliar is is a really um, good way to shake things up. And if I mm-hmm. if, if I was in charge of doing a new show, what have I what would I have done instead? I don't know. It's a tough it's tough to say honestly looking back because it is such a good shakeup that does keep, you know, the core elements but it also really kind of reinvents a lot of stuff. 
I don't I don't really know as far as as far as maintaining what Batman is about and the things that people like about Batman but change changing it up enough so it feels new I don't know I think they did a pretty good job I don't I don't really know if I if I would have done much different as far as like conceptually Yeah I've always been attracted to the idea of a post-apocalyptic future Batman mm-hmm. but we've had so many of those um it's well tread ground at this point, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not sure. It doesn't really feel like Batman after a certain point. It just feels like Mad Max with a with a with a cowl. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know if that idea has as much legs. I'd love to do a one shot of Mad Max Batman, but I'm not sure there's a lot to do script wise for me anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And at the time, I think coming off of Superman Adventures and and the other Batman cartoon, I think the only thing other thing they could have really done was Justice League. And they did that eventually, anyway. So I think they kind of they kind of hit all the bases. I think eventually. Yeah, for sure. But uh, I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, thank you, everyone, for your questions. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to support us at the Badass Podcast or any of the other podcasts we do at the Penske File, head on over to Patreon.com/slash The Penske File, where you can sign up for our Patreon. Uh, Sean and I do have a couple Batman episodes on there. Uh, our horror movie podcast, Rotten Horror Picture Show, has a bunch of stuff on there. Our Star Trek podcast, there's plenty of stuff to listen to, documenting the last seven years of my life. Uh, as far as Patreons go, you know, if if you guys have any thoughts about what I said earlier about me starting one that's specifically focused on creating comics and stuff, let, let me know. Shoot me a, a, a message on Twitter or Instagram or something like that. I'd like to know... Uh, how how you guys would receive something like that but uh yeah thank you guys for listening thanks for the questions thank you sean yeah thanks clay good uh good research and thanks for gathering that stuff from our listeners thank you and uh as far as what we're going to do next do you want to do i was thinking uh instead of jumping right into season two do you want to come back in a couple weeks and once red hood is out and we can do an episode where we talk some more about Mm. you know the experience doing that um and then there's like a bridge episode kind of yeah, absolutely. We can talk about how San Diego goes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, stuff like that. Okay. Cool. So that's what we'll be back with uh, in a couple weeks. And until then, uh, I get nothing. All right, see you guys. <laughs> Let me die.